0: From the beautiful city of West Hollywood, we bring you Film Forward, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival.
1: Welcome back to Film Forward, everybody. The Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival is just around the corner, August 22nd through the 24th at the Let Live Theater in West Hollywood, California. We are honored to have an LADFF alumni return this year with another amazing film. Director of Suicide, Kale, and Misdirection, we have Miss Carly Usdin. Hello. Carly, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Let's dive right into it. All right. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about your new film, Misdirection?
0: Yeah, so Misdirection is a short film. Um, It's the first film I have both written and directed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a queer comedy about a college freshman who uh, stumbles upon close-up magic as an escape from her obsessive-compulsive disorder and her unrequited crush on her roommate.
1: And it's a fantastic short film.
0: Thank you so much. I appreciate that.
1: So, you know, in a short film, you touch on a lot of fun things here. There's Un- a lot going on in unrequited 14 minutes. Love, yeah, <laughs> unrequited love is always... Always works, you know, because Pretty we, universal. we've all been there. Yep. Uh, the obsessive compulsive disorder, you handle that really well and really beautifully in, a, in a very creative way. But uh, when when or how did you decide to incorporate magic into these two themes?
0: Yeah. So it's like it's a little bit of a blur now when I think about actually how the full story came together. Mm-hmm. Um. For the lo- I knew I wanted to write something that was sort of a kind of a queer coming of age, unrequited love sort of thing um, based on my own stupid experiences growing up. And then I really wanted to – I had had this idea for years of making um, almost an experimental short that – would sort of immerse the viewer in the mind of someone who has OCD, but not the type of OCD you're used to seeing in film and television—not right. checking lights and things like that, and checking the stove or germophobia or something like that. But the type of OCD that I have, which is counting mm-hmm. and grouping things, uh, grouping things into into threes. Um, and so I had thought about doing that for a long time, and then one day I was just like, well, "I'm never going to make an experimental film. What am I doing?" <laughs> um, and so I kind of just like let it go. So when the opportunity to write a short film came up, it was because of AFI's directing workshop for women, um, which I had been rejected from once before um, on a script that I didn't write because you don't have to write the script that you submit, but you do have to come with a script. And so I was like, "I'm gonna I'm gonna take this chance and write my own short film and see what happens." So I knew I had this queer love story, Ron requited love story I wanted to tell. Um, and in the back of my mind, I had that OCD thing brewing. And then the the additional piece, the magic happened because <laughs> – the magic happened. Um, <laughs> I had been taking – so I when I first moved out to L.A., I've lived here for about six and a half years. When I first moved out here, I was, I was really – I had heard so much about this magic castle. I really wanted to see what was up <laughs> with that. So I went to their website. I was like, oh, I can't go. Because I'm not a member, I don't know any members to get a guest pass. It's
1: very exclusive, incredibly this exclusive. Magic um,
0: it's like a yeah, it's a it is a Victorian. For those who don't know, it is a Victorian mansion up in the Hollywood Hills that has been there forever and is where magicians hang out and do magic shows. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely haunted, and it's great, and I love it so much. So the thing I found on their website after my heart was broken when I realized I couldn't just show up one day. Was that they taught lessons, and so I immediately signed up for beginners adult magic lessons, <laughs> and then um, ended up taking a whole lot of magic classes at the Magic Castle. Eventually, um, auditioned to become a member, became a member. So in 2015, I became a magician member of the Magic Castle, which is a whole thing. Um, I'm not congratulations. Thank you. It's uh, it was a, having to audition for like a board of magicians was the most <laughs> terrifying. I was so nervous. I was just shaking, like trying to like do like card tricks and like shaking. But the, the that's thing a that, film in itself. I right know, right? There. Just the audition process. Yeah. But the thing that I noticed when I was taking those classes when I first started was that for those three hours when I was in my like magic classroom downstairs at the magic castle, not only was I not thinking about anything else in my life, mm. I was so focused on. I mean, just, like, being really excited to learn magic, but also, like, you have to be so focused. Yeah. Like, that's just what it requires. So not only was I very focused, I also wasn't having any OCD symptoms. And I thought that was super interesting. And I'm sure there's a lot of different ways that that, a lot of different reasons that that could be happening. Um, I actually talked to my therapist about it, and he was like, no, I've never heard of that before, but that's super interesting. Yeah, um, I'm like, there's no scholarly articles? And of course not. <laughs> but, um But I thought that was super interesting, and so all of these things sort of were running around in my head at the same time, and I wrote the script, and then miraculously, I was accepted into the directing workshop for women, Um, and so the first part of what you do when you're accepted is, like, the first couple times you go there for, like, classes and things, it's mostly to workshop your script, Mm -hmm. and so through the workshopping process with my classmates and some of our mentors, it was an incredibly valuable experience because not only was it my first time having written a film— And then, like, getting feedback from a group was – like, I mean, so it was incredible. Yeah. And I had never experienced that before. Now I have uh, many times. But at the time, I had not. And the thing they really helped me do was to really make sure that all of the pieces of the story, all three threads, were really woven together and made sure that one always was affecting the other. Mm -hmm. You know, that the magic and the OCD and the romance and all of it were just, like – intertwined and that was like the big like script change I guess it wasn't even a big change it was really it was more subtle things yeah but it was just like making sure that I was really tracking all three of those things throughout the story well they're
1: all pretty seamless I mean you you like there's a nice balance dealing with all three things yeah but I think a big part of that also is because uh your lead character is so strong you know (laughs) and and her performance is so strong yeah Um, that really kind of is the the glue is the character there
0: yeah, the um so the character is Camilla. Mm-hmm. We call her Cam. Um and it's played by my friend uh Vico Ortiz and they're amazing. Like I cast them a f- maybe 5 or 6 months before shooting and I I, I was like, "Okay, so You're great. We, like, met and had a coffee. We had a mutual friend. Actually, the DP of the film introduced us. Okay. Because when I showed – so, Moira Morrell, who's an incredible, incredible cinematographer, uh, shot the film. And is a great friend of mine. And she saw the film – she's read the script in January. We were set to shoot in July of last year. And she was like, oh, do you have your lead yet? And I was like, no, but I got to get someone soon because they have to learn magic. It's going to take a little <laughs> right, while. Yeah. Not just learn the lines yeah, or, right? or like, dive into this character. You it's not actually like, have to learn magic. Because like, like there's very few female magicians. Mm-hmm. There's very, very few queer female magicians. And there's I'm assuming no f- queer female women of color Right. magicians. Like right. I don't I don't think that person just existed.
1: Gets smaller and smaller. Yeah, like the pool
0: kept getting <laughs> tinier and tinier. And so I was like, oh I have to just find the right actor mm-hmm. who's like really excited about the role and excited to learn magic and would think it was cool. Vico is like the most excited. They just could not handle how excited they were and so I was like great this is perfect they spent like five months like practicing magic and documenting it like on an instagram which was really fun we could like share that and and like show that to people because we we crowdfunded so there was also that element of like check it out like you know you want to like share the progress as you're as you're getting into it right um so that was that was some really fun like Extra content to just be like, like doing magic tricks really terribly, and then like seeing them improve over time is very cool.
1: And did you kind of help them learn the magic, or was a it... little
0: bit? I was so. I mean, last year was the the time between I between casting and then shooting was really crazy mm-hmm. for me last year because it, it was like so we crowdfunded in March, like early prep in April. The month of May I was in class at AFI every oh, wow. day, and then June is like real prep, and then everyone shoots their film in July. So I had very little time for myself to devote to, like, helping Vico learn stuff. So I brought on a friend, uh, Kayla Drescher, who's a – she's a female magician. Mm -hmm. She makes her living as a magician, which is incredible and super rare. And just – she is the coolest and just, like, nicest person. And when I first told her the idea for the project – she was so excited and was like, oh my God, I want to do this. I love the script. Let's let's go. Like cast that person so I can start training them, you know? <laughs> and so yeah, like she and Vico kind of just handled it. Basically we we went through the script once and we're like, okay, so like this scene, let's 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 like narrow it down to like a couple different things, a different skills that you're gonna learn and kind of like how do we place those in the storyline and how do we see you improving at the parts where we need to see you improving and things like that so that was like very calculated you know we we planned that out but then i kind of just let them handle it and they, they crushed it.
1: Absolutely, they did. <laughs> it was awesome. A previous film that you did, a feature film, Suicide Kale, yes. uh, won a big award at LADFF a couple years ago. Won a couple
0: awards, I think. It, yeah. <laughs> it won
1: uh, Best First Feature at Outfest as yes. well. What was it like going from directing a feature? You did Short Form before, then yes. you did Feature. And now going back to short form was, were you a little relieved? because <laughs> It's like, you know, it's shorter.
0: Like, you had this confidence of like, well, I did a feature. I mean, on some level, yes. The thing with Suicide Kale was that it was, it was this sort of like magical thing that happened. It was a, a group of friends and it was the summer Tangerine came out. And we all right. saw Tangerine and then we were all like, wow, we have no excuse not to make a feature because mm-hmm. that film was so good. They shot it on phones. I mean, they had like a hundred thousand something budget. Yeah. But we were still like, we have cameras. They did it. You know, like they did it. We should be doing it. What? We have no excuse anymore, you know? Um, It's kind of just like that gave us a kick in the ass to kind of get our shit together. And so, my friend Brittany Nichols, who wrote it and stars in it, she came up with a concept that we could shoot really, really, really easily in one location with a very small cast. And so we just shot it ourselves. Like we – my wife, Robin was is a photographer and so she was our director – she was our cinematographer. So we shot it on three DSLRs. I ran sound, which was an absolute (laughs) – don't ever do that. And I knew – I like – I've been working for a long time. Like I know the rules that you are not supposed to break and I broke them anyway just because I had to. Um, But at least I knew which ones I had to go back and fix. You You know, I feel like there's something to that. (laughs) Um, But then – yeah, it was like all natural light and then I edited it and we shot it in 5 days and with all told we spent maybe $5,000. Wow, amazing. Because it was just our friends at our friend's house, all of us just kind of like donating our time to to hang out and make something together. And we were like, "Well, the worst-case scenario is that this is a mess. No one will ever see it. <laughs> but we all got to hang out for 5 days." And that was really fun, you know? And we got to like collaborate on make something, something and yeah. make something and even if it's garbage we got to make something and that was really great and we were going to learn something no matter what so then i i took a few months i edited it and then i showed it to robin and Brittany, and i was like i can't tell anymore if this is a film like i'm, I'm just too close to it like let can you guys watch it also and it was the f- like the first cut it was about 90 minutes long and we all watched it and they were like no, this is a film, I think. I think we can show this to people. I think this is okay. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, well let's cut it down because it's basically we called it mumble queer, which is like a queer mumblecore <laughs> film. And it takes place almost in real time, essentially yeah. in real time. So it's like the course of an afternoon, it's two couples have a lunch together and like kind of like things start to fall apart. So I was like, you know, this is a really talky film. It's just people talking, <laughs> just talking and eating food and looking at each other in different facial expressions. So like, it has to be as short as possible because it's gonna people are going to get bored. So we got it down to 78 minutes, which I thought was a perfect time. That's a lovely number. I thought it was great. We submitted to all the big festivals. We didn't get into any of those guys. And we were like, what the hell, man? We made a, made a movie for nothing. Like, come on. <laughs> People do this all the time, but not like queer women do it, nobody cares. Just like that kind of nonsense. And then we started to get into festivals. We got into all the big queer festivals. So We got into Inside Out. And we got into Frameline, OutFest. And then we got into LA, DFF. And, <laughs> and it just kind of like rolled from there. And we had no idea. Right. Like, we were just like, oh, crap. We made a thing that people can watch, and people are somehow responding to it? Like, the people sound loved is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fine. We had to ADR some stuff. But, uh, yeah, we ended up winning a bunch of awards. We screened in over 30 festivals around the world, and now we're on, like, iTunes, Amazon Prime, all that jazz, Seed&Spark, Vimeo. So, yeah, that was really crazy. And then coming, you know, then it's been a few years since that, and mm-hmm. now coming into doing a short um, the budget for the short was much higher than the budget for the feature, <laughs> yeah, which right. is probably something no one's ever said before. <laughs> right. um, so for me it was like and I had wrote this and it was like the, the you know the the feature was highly improvised as well It was like mm-hmm. a 38 page outline that became a 78 some 78 minute film. Some of the scenes were fully scripted, some were like a sentence and some were an outline. okay so it was just like a real mix of things and everybody all the actors kind of brought, we let them make up their own characters. That's don't, great. Don't. This is a rule. This is a thing I learned. Don't let actors make up the their own characters because they'll all give them the craziest names. Mm-hmm. Every character in that movie has the most ridiculous name. <laughs> it's so funny. I'm like, you guys are fired from making up character <laughs> names. You're done. You're never doing. We're having again. babies for that matter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't have babies because you're gonna name them something ridiculous. No, it was great. And so with the with the short, I feel like it was definitely like higher production value and. You know, I had a couple more years of making stuff under my belt. So the pressure was off in a sense, but it Mm -hmm. was also actually much higher. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And being part of AFI. Higher higher stakes. Yeah, being part of that program at AFI. It's it's a really prestigious program. And so I was like, Oh my God, like I I just wanna like I wanna do this story justice. I Mm -hmm. wanna like, you know, I wanna do a good job for AFI and for everyone involved. And so it was it was a it was a weird mix of like Oh, this is gonna be so much easier because we have more money. Yeah. But like also it's like, no, because it it requires so much more. You know, so it's, it's never, enough. <laughs> never enough. There's never enough time. Right. There's never enough money. There's right. never enough hours in the day, but you make it work.
1: You make it work. Yeah. And I think you did do it justice. Well, thank you. You're doing our podcast justice right now. We're gonna take <laughs> a little break. We'll be right back with Carly Usdin. We'll be talking more about her film Misdirection. Join us for our Opening Night Shorts block at LADFF featuring Carly Usdon's Misdirection. The films will be followed with a Q&A moderated by Claudia Puig, president of the Los Angeles Film Critics Association, as well as an after-party where you'll get to network with all the filmmakers. Opening Night Shorts is August 22nd and tickets are now on sale at ladff.com. See you there. Welcome back to Film Forward, y'all. We are talking with Carly Usdin, director of Misdirection, which will be playing at LADFF this year. Y'all need to come check it out. It's part of the Opening Night Shorts blog.
0: Opening night.
1: Uh, there's going to be an Opening Night Soiree also. I'll be there. That's fancy chat for a uh, party.
0: Yeah. Shindig. Uh, I've shindig. Heard, I've heard it as well. I'll uh, be there, so you should all You,
1: come. you, should, you should, should all have. come. Um I want to talk about you mentioned uh, in the last segment that you uh have frequently collaborated with your wife yes. Robin. Yes. Um Sonia and I we are boyfriend girlfriend. We work together as uh, very often as well. We run the film festival together. We make movies together. People often say we're crazy.
0: Oh, I understand. Uh, I get that all the time.
1: <laughs> talk to us a little bit about uh you know, just collaborating with your, you know, life partner. And when do you ladies decide, you know, if you're at home, okay, we need to stop the work now, and now it's time for us to be, you know, wife
0: time? Well, it's hard, right? I it mean, is. <laughs> you know, we've, we've been together 11 years, and um, we're both, you know, freelance, creative, weird people. So on the one hand, it's it's really nice – like, even when we're not working together, because we don't always work together. Mm-hmm. You know? We have, like, our separate projects and yeah. things, too. So it's really nice, because um, we both generally work from home. Um, so it is really nice that, like, we get it, you know? Like, and I'm sure you you completely understand what I'm saying, which is great. Um, I've I've dated people in the past who didn't work in a creative field, and so... My weird hours that I like, I oh, I'm, it's 10 p.m. and I have an idea for something. I'm going to sit and write for three hours or I'm going to edit this video because the only time I want to edit is at 11 p.m. And, you know, people that have like a pro, like perhaps a normal job and a normal career, normal hours might look at that as completely insane. Um, so one really nice thing um, is that we have like complete respect for each other's weird schedules you know, we always try to make time for each other and mm-hmm. make sure we have wife time. It's always hard, you know, even when you're by yourself working from home, it's so hard to schedule out your time right. and make sure that you're not working yourself to the bone. And, you know, like you need to make sure that you, you schedule in time for yourself and kind of like, OK, last night I worked till 9 p.m. Tonight I'm going to stop working earlier. I'm going to go do something and mm-hmm. see someone. I'm going to... Go see a movie. I don't know. So that's always, like, a challenge, you know? And then when there's two of us and we both, you know, we'll get really into whatever we're doing, so it's hard. You know, we – we it, there's – it's you have to always find that balance. You have to find the balance and, and you have to
1: communicate exactly. about, like, okay. I mean, it,
0: really the whole thing is communication. Right. Um, that's how we're able to live together, spend a lot of time together, and work together. Um, it's just really all about communication. And, and I think we – I mean, like, we're not just, like, people who love each other very much. We, like, genuinely really like each other. Yeah. So that makes it so that we can spend. That helps. (laughs) It really does. There's really no one else. This is going to sound so cheesy, but I'm going to say it. Anyway, uh, there's really no one I can think of in my life that I can spend this much time with and not get sick of. That's That's beautiful. But it's true. And so, yeah, all of our friends think we're crazy uh, that we are able to work together, (laughs) but – we do it. It works for us. It does not work for everybody. Does but, not work for everybody. Works, but it for, works us, for us. Works for you. Take advantage of it. Yeah,
1: absolutely. <laughs> it's because awesome. it, because it's hard to find a a uh, work partner that you can trust. Oh too. yeah, that's so practically
0: it, dating in and of itself. Yeah, absolutely. Trying so. to just find people to collaborate with. So so if you got one in your home, my god, she's there all the time. <laughs> Perfect. Just bouncing ideas off each other. Absolutely. You know, it's great.
1: Um, switching gears a little bit yeah. right now, I want to talk uh, about uh, your comic books.
0: Yay, comic books.
1: Um, how did you get into the comic books? And uh, talk to us a little bit. So you have two comic books out, right? Yes. You have
0: – I have two series. Two series. Um, heavy Vinyl mm-hmm. and The Avant-Garde.
1: I've read Heavy Vinyl or l- I've read the first two issues of Heavy Vinyl. So love it. Thank you. I'm a vinyl collector, so oh, well, I just I love the setting. <laughs> it's just cool. It's fun. It's cool. Uh and I'm a huge basketball fan, so I'm
0: looking forward
1: to then me, I think you're getting really into
0: avant-garde. Like the avant-garde. Um, yeah, both of those books are through uh Boom Studios. Mm-hmm. They are responsible for things like adventure time and uh, lumberjanes and other really incredible stuff. Um I grew up reading comic books. I, was a, I didn't have a lot of friends, so my mom and I would hang out at the comic book shop near <laughs> our house a lot. Uh, I had a pull box. I'd go every week and get my books and talk to the people that worked there, and they'd show me new stuff I should get into. I had every action figure. I mean, I was so into superheroes and all that stuff. Um, and then, you know, you, you, you grow up and you grow out of it a little bit, but it's always been a part of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after Suicide Kale... A friend of mine who works at Boom, she's an editor over there. Shannon Waters, fantastic editor, fantastic friend, uh, was like, "You should write a book for us." And I was like, "That's crazy. I'm a director. I don't write. I don't write. I hadn't even written a film yet." So I was like, "I don't write things. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm visuals only, you know." And she's like, "Just like think about it. Like you know, send me a couple one-liners. Like pitch me some stuff. We'll see what happens." And I'm like, "You're crazy, but sure." And so, you know, then it took months and months, and then it was just always in the back of my head. And then one day I pitched a couple ideas. And after that initial email, uh, you know, some back and forth, they were like, we want you to explore this, this record store idea. And so that's, that became Heavy Vinyl. Um, so Heavy Vinyl is set in 1998 in New Jersey. It's about a group of girls that work at a record store, and they secretly fight crime. Um, and it comes from my immense... Desire to have worked in a record store when I was in high school. Uh, I didn't think I was cool enough, but I hung out at this one record store all the time, and I was just so obsessed with music in high school. Like I love music, you know. Like yeah. I, I love music. What a like generic thing to say. Like I love movies, you know. But but music for me in high school and and college too was you were just a connoisseur. Like, oh my god, it was like. I would spend hours just like like researching and like learning about artists and like then I'd get a CD and I'd go through the liner notes and see who what bands they thanked and I'd go to get those band CDs because I'm like if this if I like this band and they're friends with these guys I might like that you know so I was like that person and um you know the nineties was that's when I was with my like you know I was in high school it was like the pop culture of the late nineties is incredible yeah um, absolutely and so this was that book is sort of my love letter to. All the music and movies and TV and and craziness that made me who I am from my from my high school era.
1: It's a lot of fun. Now that you wrote comic books, did when you decided to start actually dive in and go into the comics, did that kind of inspire you to pick up the pen and
0: write your first screenplay? hundred percent. Cool. The experience of writing heavy vinyl, Um, which I was terrified to do. I was Mm -hmm. like, get me a co-writer. I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) And they had so much faith in me, which, and so much they believed in me, which is like so rare. And it was like almost like too much. (laughs) Like I'm so used to jumping through to get jobs. I'm so used to jumping through so many hoops. Right. And like proving yourself over and over again, proving that you can do the thing you just did, you know? And this was like, I had not done this ever. And they were like, you can definitely do it. And I was like, you're crazy. This is weird. (laughs) You are too nice. I don't know what this is. But they saw something, I guess. Uh, And I didn't have a co-writer. I haven't had a co-writer on any of it um, (laughs) because it just didn't work out that way. So I was like, well, I guess I'm going to write it. And I did. And, you know, Shannon's an amazing editor, so she helped me kind of get it going. And, yeah, the, the heavy vinyl process of writing those four issues a few years ago is what gave me the confidence to be able to write my own short film. And now, since then... Uh, I've written – I have The Avant-Garde, which is a new book um, that's out. Both books are out now. Um, The Avant-Garde is about a women's college basketball team that forms at an art school. Um, So it's the intersection of like (laughs) weirdo arts and, yeah, weirdo artists who also do sports and how those things can coexist. I love it. Because I think a lot of people think they can't, but they can
1: They can. I'm a diehard sports fan of
0: most sports, but uh, and always have. So mm -hmm. I wanted to be able to put all that together, Um, and then yeah. So that that just that just got me writing, and it showed me that maybe I wasn't. I needed to like have a little more faith in myself to actually write something. So I wrote Mister Action, and then now I'm trying to develop that into a series. Amazing. Fingers crossed. <laughs>
1: well, you can pick up uh, Heavy Vinyl and Avant
0: Garde's on Amazon. Is that correct? They're on Amazon. They're on Comixology, which is owned by Amazon. Okay. And uh, at your local comic book shop. Um, yeah. And the thing we just announced is very exciting: is that there was going to be a part two, volume two of Heavy Vinyl coming out next year. Woo! That I am also writing right now. So yay. Um, so that is very exciting.
1: Hell yeah. Well, I brought my copies, so you're going to have to sign them for me. Oh, I would love to. <laughs> um, so check those out. Buy those on Amazon. They're a great read. And uh, don't forget to check out Misdirection August 22nd, opening night shorts at Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival at the Let Live Theater. We're both going to be there. We're both going to be partying or soireeing. Um, we've got one more segment with uh, Miss Carly, and that is our favorite segment. Give me three. If you like the music in our show, all songs are performed by the band Dub 8. Check out their new EP, Ayudame, available on iTunes and Spotify. Welcome back to Film Forward. We are here with Miss Carly Usdin. Hello. She is the director of Misdirection. She's about to give us three films that may have flown under your radar. Three suggestions. The segment's called Gimme Three. Carly, give us your first one.
0: Okay. So, I've decided for my Gimme Three, I'm going to suggest queer indie films directed by women. Love it. Um, And these were all films that I loved. Uh, growing up and mm-hmm. kind of finding myself a- as a person and as a as an artist, so the first one is All Over Me. Uh, it definitely flew under the radar. I saw it. Uh, I don't remember if it was high school or college, but I saw it because I was obsessed with renting every single indie art house film from our local blockbuster. Yeah, uh, rest in peace, blockbuster. And so I went literally just went through. And rented every single movie. Um, I started with all the queer ones, then rented all the Parker Posey ones, and then went from there. And so uh, All Over Me was one of the first ones I rented. And it is this like – it's it's little, but it's it's like the tiniest little story, but it feels much bigger. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, New York in the 90s, and Alicia Haley has pink hair, and it's – it's a beautiful film. Wilson Cruz is also in it, which is Ooh. amazing, um, and it's a fantastic sort of like indie gritty queer coming of age like comedy, but like very in the style of like a lot of '90s indies, like like very dry comedy. Well, dramedy maybe. <laughs> there's
1: no indies like '90s indies. I agree. Uh, all over me, excellent all choice. Over me.
0: Check it out. Your second. My second. Um, I was going to say, but I'm a cheerleader, but I feel like that probably didn't fly under the radar. Though if you haven't seen it, you should. But that doesn't count as my second one. Okay, It's just an extra thing I'm talking about. But I think in a similar vein to, but I'm a cheerleader, um, in these sort of campy, queer comedies – which are things I love very deeply, but I'm a Cheerleader was a huge influence on Misdirection. I would recommend the film Debs, directed by Angela Robinson. Uh, She made that as a short first and then uh, developed it into a feature, and it's fantastic. The cast is amazing. Um, It's the cutest little queer romance. Um, It's about girls who are like students but also spies and in your you know kind of classic romeo and juliet situation one of the good guy spy ladies falls in love with a bad guy diamond thief lady Mm. and it's has a weirdly has a very good soundtrack like really good soundtrack and is hilarious and colorful and campy and um Yeah, it's one of my favorite, favorite movies, and I feel like very few people saw it. I have not seen it. It's DEBS. D-E-B-S. It's an acronym. It stands for – I haven't seen it in a long time. I think they explain what it stands for. Okay, cool. I'm putting it at the top of my list. Okay, and now I have to have a third.
1: You have to have a third.
0: Uh, I'm going to go with a documentary. Okay, I'm going to go with Paris is Burning. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Excellent choice. Yeah, I think uh, if you are a person who watches Pose Mm -hmm. but has never seen Paris is Burning, you should stop what you're doing. I mean, finish the episode of Pose that you're on. (laughs) Go watch Paris is Burning. Right. Um, It's an incredible documentary and was absolutely life-changing for me when I saw it Mm -hmm. the first time a really, really, really long time ago. And I feel like it's gotten a lot more uh, attention in the last couple years because of RuPaul's Drag Race, because of Pose, and it's, I think the... Twentieth anniversary, twenty fifth. I don't know. So I think it's somewhere been, in that ballpark, and it's like back on streaming now. I think yeah. too. So people have been talking about it a lot more, um, which is great. But I hope people are watching it, right? Because it is. It needs to be seen. It is fantastic. Bigs to be seen. Absolutely. Uh, three excellent choices. Thank you,
1: Carly, and you have an excellent film. Thank that you, that you so much. That you have been much. so kind to share with us and share with our festival. We're excited to screen it. Uh, We were excited to have you here. It's been a lot of fun chatting with you.
0: This has been a delight. Thank you for having me.
1: Of course. Come join us August 22nd to see Misdirection as a part of the opening night shorts block. We'll all be there having fun. Thank you, Carly. Thank Thank you. Our recording engineer and mixer is Anselm Kennedy. The podcast is produced by Anselm, Sonia Maru, and yours truly. Thanks for joining us on Film Forward, and you'll hear us next time.